Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Okay, while they're walking off, I want to do something just a little bit. I know it's, 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 we've got a lot to do today, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Here's what I need to do. If you are a teacher, I want you to stand up. Professor in a college, elementary teacher, preschool, high school, I know we have a bunch of you. Stand up. I can't see you right now, but I know you're out there. Cause, all right? Look at this. We have a lot of teachers. We have a lot of teachers. Okay? So here's what I want to do. We're going to pray for them. Some of them have already started, but tomorrow's like the day, right? Where, I mean, almost everybody's going tomorrow. Man, they got a daunting task. I just want to pray for you, for you teachers, okay? So if you guys could, could join me and do that, and, and then we'll jump into what we have today. Okay, Father, we love you. And specifically in this moment, those standing in this room, Lord, they, uh, and you, you, you call them to what they're doing. And they are teachers, and they're investing and young people, and I pray, Lord, that you will protect them in this school year. God, make them effective at their jobs. Make them, uh, just, just may they go out and do their job well. Because it is your work. Some of them are new, some of them are seasoned. Either way, Lord, may your presence, may they feel your presence in their classrooms all year. Be with their students. May they see, may their students see the love of Jesus through how they run their classrooms. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, teachers, for letting me do that. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. I want you to turn to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews. While you're going there, I just I'm going to come out of the gate with some questions for you guys. And here goes. Do you have faith? Like, man, I'm at church today, right? Yeah, that, okay. Do you have faith? And I'm, I'm even going to get more specific. Do you have faith in Jesus? Because the answer to that question about you is the most important answer to any question in your life. Do you have faith in Jesus? Okay, if yes, how is your faith? Like, how, how is it going for you? What kind of season are you in right now? Have you ever found yourself just thinking about or even questioning if you should follow or even if you want to follow Jesus? And if that's you this morning... I want to encourage you right out of the gate and let you know that I've been there. So there's at least two of us. But I can pretty, I can pretty confidently tell you, just look to the person next to you. They've been there. And what's interesting about this is the audience of this letter to the Hebrews, they have been there. They were there. So... Today, we begin a three-month journey through this letter to the Hebrews. And I'm excited about it, but I have a lot of groundwork to, to lay before we jump in. Okay? Are you ready? Seatbelts on? Okay, pens going? Okay. 
So a while back, well, let me just, let's listen to this, let's, let's read a passage, let's, let's go to the Bible first, okay, getting ahead of myself, here we go, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And I'm just going to stop there. We're going to just, we won't get any further than the first four verses. But now let me lay some groundwork. So early on in the days of Hill City, a group, a group of us would meet at 6 a.m. and Dr. Royce Moore and, and Dr. Tim Hayes, they actually took us through Hebrews. And one of the ways that Dr. Moore sort of uh, started everything off was like, if we're going to get into the Bible, if we're going to get uh, and go through a book of the Bible, we need to, we need to look at it through sort of uh, a this lens right here, he said, behold, wrestle, be transformed. When you come to the Bible, there it is. We want to behold it. We want to orbit it. We want to see what it says, and then we want to wrestle with it. And if we will behold it, and if we will wrestle with it, we can then be transformed. That's what we're going to do. For 13 weeks, we're going to behold, we are going to wrestle and we will be transformed. I want you to think about wrestling just for a minute. What is wrestling, right? If you've ever wrestled, whether you did it competitively or not, you did it in your living room, right, with a sibling or a cousin, what is wrestling? And it, it's simultaneously, like, it's offensive, but it's also defensive, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come at you, but I'm going to keep you from coming at me, right? Like, it, you, you can't wrestle with someone unless you engage with them. We are going to wrestle. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll get into this uh, later this semester, it says this, the word of God is living and it's active, kind of like wrestling. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We are going to wrestle with it. And this is very important. You'll see in the Gospels we are told, we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Maybe wrestling will help us love the Lord with a little bit more strength. If we will do that, we will be transformed. God will take our beholding. He will take our wrestling with his word, and he will do something that only he can do, nothing that we can do. He will transform us. We have some college students back with us today. More of them will be at the next gathering. I want to talk to college students. If you've never been challenged to wrestle, I want you to accept this invitation to wrestle. Give us 13 weeks. Wrestle with us. Do it at midweek. Do it here on Sundays. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to go home for Christmas at the end of the semester, and your family's going to go, who, who are you? And you're going to say, I've been, I wrestled and I've been transformed. So let's talk about this. Even before we get into Hebrews, let's talk about the Bible and what we believe here at Hill City about the Bible. We, we believe the Bible is without error. 
The Bible is our final authority. We do not make the Bible fit into our belief system. We form our belief system from the Bible. In other words, we have a very high view of Scripture here. We believe the Bible is God-breathed. The Bible has many, many writers, but it has one author. The Bible is one book, and it is 66 books. We have to approach this with care. Now, if you'll remember, if you're new here, we'll use terminology like this. When we approach the Bible, one of the things we have to do is we have to sort of bridge the gap. We've got to build a bridge. And we talk about building a bridge from their town to our town. What do we mean by their town? This book of Hebrews was written to a certain group of people at a certain time. Very different from where we are in 2021 in Springfield, Missouri. And we need to build that bridge to better understand what God would have for us. Why would we do that? Because it will keep us from stepping on theological landmines. So I'm going to give you an example of one of those. When I was a kid, I grew up uh, in, 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 a, in a theology where it was like you could, you could lose your salvation. And listen, I lived in this. I have, I have some authority on this. Without question, anybody that teaches that, they always go to Hebrews. And there's an obscure verse, just a verse in Hebrews that causes people to believe that. I'm not going to talk about it today. We will get to it. But we have to understand what was going on in Hebrews. And if you read the rest of the Bible, we know that the Bible clearly says that that can't happen. So we're not going to take an obscure passage, an obscure verse from Hebrews and override truth in countless other places in Scripture. Does this make sense? But we have to know what's going on in their town so in order that we don't do that. And that's what's going to happen through this process. So, so one of our goals, we want to figure out how the original audience would have heard it. There was a slide on Instagram out there. Man, our, our social media people are crushing it. And this would help. If you guys don't follow, you can follow this and you'll see some things like this that will just help you with some context of Scripture. One of our goals is we want to figure out how the original audience would have heard this book of Hebrews. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's go to their town, shall we? Let's go to their town. So this, this letter to the Hebrews was actually likely a sermon and not so much a letter, like what Ephesians and, and Colossians maybe would have been, but it would be like a sermon. And then hearers of this sermon, here are just some truths about where they would have been. All of these hearers of this sermon would have come out of a life, they would have left a life that was steeped in Judaism, hence the word Hebrews. So they left it. What did they leave it for? To follow this man, Jesus. It's like, yeah, he did some really cool things, and they followed him. And they changed their life. And it was cool, and it was neat, and then all of a sudden, life happened. And things got hard for these Hebrews. See, what happened was persecution started. Roman persecution. Now, up to this point, they had not resisted unto blood. That was going to be coming. They didn't know it. We know the end of the story. So Hebrews tells us, man, they were being persecuted. They hadn't yet been killed, but it was coming. Suffering was happening. So here's what happened also. Family and friends 
we're starting to jump ship. Like, okay, we tried this Jesus thing, we're out, and you need to come with us. And then these people are like, what do we do? No, I know I should be following Jesus, but my family and friends, like, they're leaving, and it's like, oh, what's going on here? There were, there were temptations. We're still in their town. There were temptations to just go back to what was comfortable. Go back to what they knew. Go back to their traditions. Generation after generation, they knew Judaism. And there was a temptation to do that. These people were starting to believe that the gospel of Jesus was too good to be true. And God, through this writer of Hebrews, he wanted them to know something. He wanted them to know that Jesus is it. Jesus was superior. God exalted the Son, Jesus Christ, so that he is better than everything else. So may I ask us this question this morning, is our town much different than their town? We dress different, we eat things that are different, we drink things that are different. There's some suffering that's going on in this room. Some of you have family and friends that think you're crazy. You, you, you give what percent of your money to that place? Some of you want to go back to what's comfortable. And some of you are looking at your past and you're going, the gospel's too good to be true. It's good for everybody. It doesn't work for me. Listen to me. Our town isn't very much different than their town. Hill City Church, Hebrews is for us. This book of Hebrews is for us. We need this. The book of Hebrews shows us the humanity of Jesus. It shows us the closeness of Jesus. It shows us the accessibility of Jesus and that he's better than everything. This book is a familial book. You're going to see words like brother, like son, like father, like inheritance. The gospel is all over Hebrews. And let me be very clear. The gospel is not a story. The gospel is a person. And his name is Jesus and he's better than everything. And that's what we're going to do for 13 weeks. Every week. You know what you're going to hear every week? What I just told you. Jesus is better than everything. So what do we want? Why are we diving into this Hebrews? Here, here we go. After three months. We're going to be in a book for three months. What do I want? Hill City people walking out of here after three months. Number one, I, I want you to believe that Jesus is better. I mean, like, believe it. I want you to believe that he's worth it. Worth what? Everything. Listen, if Hebrews is saying Jesus is better, he's worth it. Stay the course. Stay the course, Hill City. He's worth it. And listen, I want you to believe what I just, number one and number two, I want you to believe that so fully, that Jesus is worth it, that Jesus is better. And I want you to believe that so deeply, ready, this is so profound, hear me, that you tell people, 
that you tell people? Like, can we praise him publicly? Can we tell people we've got the greatest news ever? The Bible says this, if you don't, the rocks are going to do it for you. Tell people. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Many times and many ways. Here we go. If you go to the Old Testament, God spoke all the time. Visions, dreams. He spoke through animals, through angels. He used his actual voice when he's talking to Moses. It said mouth to mouth in Numbers chapter 12. He spoke in many ways. It says by the prophets. Listen, all the Sunday school kids, right? You guys grew up in church. Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That isn't all of them. I just named a bunch of them. Now, here's the thing. Every name I just mentioned to you, every single name, are you ready? They were right. When they spoke what they said, they were right. Like, it happened. These people were awesome. Okay, so I'm like, so, so if you're new here, I'm psycho, okay? So let's just get that out of the way. And I'm going to give you a little insight to my story, and you're going to be like, okay, so there's, listen, I'm going to give you just one little piece of why I'm insane, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to be 42 this year. So... On, Dece- on December 3rd, 1990, don't raise your hand. I know a bunch of you were alive. So there was supposed to be this earthquake, and it was supposed to level this small town, New Madrid, Missouri. Anybody? Okay, we got 90s kids. Do you remember this? Okay, I was 11 years old. And it's like, this is the biggest earthquake, uh, the biggest natural disaster in the country had ever experienced. This guy named Ivan Browning predicted it. And I'm 11 years old, like, this is, it's over. Like, I, I lived on that side of the state. I'm like, this whole corner of Missouri is going to fall to the middle of the earth. Now, as an 11-year-old, that's kind of traumatizing. And your teachers are talking about it, and they got us jumping under desk every single week, like practicing for this thing. Anybody, Missouri people? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm scarred from this. Why do I tell you that? This psycho, Browning, like people were building Browning bunkers. Anybody? This psycho, okay, listen to me. If this dude would have been alive in the Bible times, let me tell you what would have happened. On, he predicted that that was going to go down on December 3rd. On December 4th, this dude would have got stoned to death in the Bible times. Why? Because he's full of it. All those names I just gave you, they were never full of it. They never got it wrong. You know, listen, had they got it wrong, they would have been killed on the spot. God spoke through these people. And even these people knew something better is coming. Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen to. The prophets got it right. They were awesome, but every one of them knew something better is coming. 
What is it? Verse 2, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Literally, if you translate that literally, it would say he had spoken to us in son. That doesn't make sense in our language, but think about that. God spoke to us in son. In other words, God spoke to us in person while he was like us. He became like us, spoke to us in person. Now, here's what's crazy about this. If you go back to the Old Testament, he spoke to these prophets. No one got to see God. Do you understand this? Like, in the Old Testament, if you would have seen God, you're dead. Right? You're gone. Remember Moses. He goes up on the mountain. He didn't see God. He heard him. And he comes down just hearing God. Whoa, whoa. Okay, Moses comes off the mountain after just hearing from God. And all the people are like, dude, he looks weird. Like he's glowing. Do you remember this? And like, I'm not going near him. You're t- I- he just heard God. You didn't get to see God. But for whatever, listen, and God says, no, 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 they, they, they have to see me. How, how is this going to happen? I'm coming to them in sun. This phrase speaks to the humanity of God through his son. He spoke to us by becoming one of us. We know about this from from John. Very, very popular passage. The book of John. Let me turn there quickly. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made. That was made. This sounds an awful lot like the first four verses of Hebrews, actually. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Go down to verse 14, and the word, this word from the first part of John, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus tells them later on in John chapter 14, look at me, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. And Hebrews says the same thing. The full and final and best revelation of God came through his son Jesus. It happened in Jesus. The prophets, they gave the word from the Lord. The angels gave the word from the Lord. Jesus, God's son, was the word from the Lord, the final word. We got to pay attention to him. The prophets were awesome. Jesus is better. Jesus even tells us this, kind of in picture form. You guys remember the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, right? They go up on the mount. I'll pick up in verse 4. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. Peter, James, and John, right? Jesus takes them up and he lets them see something pretty insane. Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. So Jesus takes up on a mountain and it's like, There's Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Peter, James, and John are like, yes, awesome. Let's build a tent for these guys. 
He was still speaking. Who? Peter. When behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Saying, rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Don't miss that. Jesus is like, yes. The word, listen, God's word came through these people. But then God comes on the scene and is like, listen to him. They fall on their faces. They wake up. Wait a minute. What? It's, G- it's just Jesus. That's it. Jesus alone. The highest quality of the revelation of God. It's the final revelation. Listen, that's why we don't do Joseph Smith with the Mormons. Are you with me? That's why we don't do Muhammad. It's Jesus and not somebody else. It's Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Hebrews tells us, let's go back. He is. The radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the heir of all things. In other words, everything God ever did was setting it up for Jesus. Everything that God created, everything that God did on earth, it was for Jesus. The whole point of the Old Testament. Here's your answer. Here's your test answer. What's the whole point of the Old Testament? You ready? Say it with me. Jesus. It's the whole point. He's the heir of all things. He's the radiance of the glory of God. Now listen, imagine, can you, can you just imagine the sun without the light that comes with it? Like, where, where does the sun stop? Where does the light start? I don't know. Jesus is the shining light around the face of God. You can't separate the light from the sun and the sun. That's what Jesus is. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He's the exact representation of God. It's like a, a photo, but not the kind of like that you doctor up to put on your social media, like a real photo. That doesn't lie to you, right? You look at it and you're like, oh, shoot, my belly's sticking out. I didn't realize it sticks out that much. That's who he is. What does he do? Oh, listen, what does he do? He, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, listen, I'm a dog person. We have dog people in here? Dog people. Okay, amen, good. So I had a dog shoot. We have cat people? Y'all got to get saved. I'll be down front after this. Okay, listen, my wife is like, hey, don't tell people I'm a cat person. I'm like, babe, you've literally been wearing sweaters in the summer your whole life. It's, you're a, everybody knows you're a cat person. <laughs> so I, have, I, I had this dog, Shooter, RIP. He got hit by a car. I'm sorry. Don't be sad. But I remember, I remember getting him to be able to, like, stop. I'd be like, stay, stay. And I remember being like, okay, and I... 
I, would, I was able to get all the way around the corner of the house, and he would stay, and I'd be like, all right, come, boy, and then blah, 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 here you'd come, right? And I was like, dude, I am a dog whisperer. Um, this is awesome. Like, I thought I was pretty cool because I'd get a dog to do that. And here we look at our king, and it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, right now, I could go tell you awesome, cool, neat, oh, things about the universe, but I don't want to focus on that because you guys can do all that. I want to talk to you about this word upholds. Because church kids, you ready? He's got the whole world. He got the whole, right, right. Okay, listen, that's good. I like that song. I, I want my kids to sing it. That's not exactly what this is saying. This word upholds. It's not this static, I just hold. It's much more dynamic. It means to bring. It means to lead. It means to drive forward. He leads the universe. He drives the universe forward. He's providentially guiding everything in the universe. So listen, this cool thing, this cool place way out there that would take you light years to get to, right? Think of how big the universe is, light years away. Jesus is there and he's holding it all together, even there. Upholds the universe by the word of his power. What else does he do? After making purification for sins. This is talking about our atonement. We're going to get into this. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. This is speaking to the work of Jesus on our behalf, who came and lived this per perfect life. Exact imprint of God, perfect life. He goes to the cross. He raises from the dead, he ascends, and look what it says. After doing all that, he sat down at the right hand. Um, you don't sit down until the work is done. Amen, workers? Like, that's when you sit down. But until then, you keep working. Jesus sat down. I just told you the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. The work was finished. Verse 4, he was superior to the angels. But the whole theme of Hebrews, he's not just superior to the angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior, superior to the sacrificial system. He's superior to any high priest or any priest for that matter. He is superior. That's what this is about. So let me ask you a question. Why does this matter to us? I've done this long enough now that what I'm getting ready to tell you I know is true for some of you, okay? Hebrews matters to us because some of you will believe that there is something better out there than Jesus. Some of you will suffer. Some of you will go through hard things. Some of you are going to lose confidence in the finished work of Jesus. You're going to say, this is too good to be true. If you knew my past, you would understand why this is way too good to be true for me. 
And some of you are going to think about running away from Jesus. Listen, maybe you're here today and it's like, no, actually, no, Brad, right now, that's me right now. I want to encourage you this morning. A bunch of us have been there. Like, you're not alone this morning if that's you. And I want to let you know also, you're not in danger of losing your salvation. You are a blood-bought daughter or son of the king. That's not going to change. A lot of us have been there. This book of Hebrews says this, that Jesus is the founder and completer of your faith and my faith. That means you didn't, you didn't find it, you can't complete it, only Jesus can do that. That's the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. This is why we need Hebrews. We know Jesus was the founder and completer of our faith because he did it by going to a cross. And why did he do it? For the joy that was set before him. And that joy was that you and I could be reconciled to a holy God. And it's for that that he endured the cross. Go with me. Hill City, go with me. Can we wrestle together? Can we do that? Three months, go with me. Let's pray.